Welcome to another episode of There Is A System To This Madness Podcast. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. Today is November 14th, 2020. We are 11 days after the presidential election and unofficially say it like that, we still do not have a winner, even though the majority of the states have actually stated that Joe Biden is the winner because based on the electoral college's um, points, Joe Biden has 306 points. You only need 270 to win. So technically, Joe Biden is the 46th president of the United States. However, our boy Donald Trump, he has not conceded, which ironically, the 306 that Joe Biden has is the exact same amount that President Trump received back in 2016, and he referred to it being a landslide. However, I guess landslides change every four years. But either way, right now, it's being contested. Supposedly that a number of states have been authorized to have recounts or have judges decide who the winner is. And I think so far the Trump supporters, uh, his people, his, his group, his gang, have petitioned to 12 different judges or so. And so far all 12 has rejected his request. So pretty much he pretty much is it's a wrap however hold on he has friends in the great state of georgia so the republican secretary of state the republican governor the two republican senators have pushed for a recount despite the fact that the state of georgia officially declared Joe Biden the winner. However, they have to do a hand count, paper count. Paper ballot per paper ballot has to be counted throughout the state of Georgia just to appease President Trump. Now, what's so interesting, whether or not he wins Georgia, even if they did the recount again, and let's say he wins, President, I'm talking about President Trump. Let's say President Trump wins Georgia. It's not going to change anything. Joe Biden still has the Electoral College points. He still is going to win. So again, 
I, I don't get the concept. I mean, Georgia is doing a recount. So basically, so Joe Biden can, I guess, re-win. But, I, you know, I guess, I guess if Joe Biden re-wins, we get to re-celebrate. I mean, I guess, you know, there's a silver lining behind this. Which, to be truthful, is not a silver lining. Because what you got to realize, this is not something that's just free. This is not something that is just voluntarily. In the state of Georgia, it is believed that every county is going to pay roughly about $25,000 per day. This includes the pay and the food for the county workers, the you know the the, the counters. You got to realize there's overtime for the police and sheriff departments because you got to realize these shifts. This is almost like a 24-hour shift, which, as you may know, the United States is not a 24-hour working country. Then there's also air production costs for the government televised monitoring of the recount. So this comes out to be $25,000 a day. And let's just make the assumption that all of the ballots are counted by the 27th of November. It is believed that large counties like DeKalb, Cobb, Gwinnett, Fulton counties, it is going to cost these counties roughly $2.2 million each. And then when you get to the medium-sized county, Cherokee, Clayton County, they're going to pay about $1.5 million. You know, I had said in the last podcast, how much damage can a lame duck president cause? Well, speaking from the state of Georgia, he's going to cost this state millions. Millions that this state and other states, they just don't have. It's just, this is a ridiculous waste of money just to appease a person that's that's buying time that no matter what Georgia outcome is going to be it's not going to change the results and what's worse they are only counting the presidential election see to me I'm like if you're going to do this I'd rather for you to count all of the the votes because for some reason and you know correct me if I'm wrong I don't, I don't understand the math in regards to if Joe Biden won Georgia because you know it confuses me when people keep saying well Georgia's blue uh, Georgia's not blue Georgia is blood red just because they voted for a president you forget the governor, the state legislator, 
two senators, U.S. senators, everybody else is Republican. But what I can't figure out if the same individuals that went to the poll and voted for Joe Biden, wouldn't it have made sense that they would have voted for the two Democrat candidates that was also running for the Senate. Because as you know, Georgia was the only state that had two Senate seats on the ballot. It normally don't work out that way. But how did this happen? And the only thing I can, the only conclusion that I can come to is lack of voter education. How does a person go into a polling booth and vote for Joe Biden and not vote for the two Democrat candidates for the United States Senate? And one, she's running against, she was running against two other individuals in which one of the other individuals, individuals was a Republican. So you would have thought that she would have split the vote. And the Democrat candidate would have just came out on top. But we're now in a runoff, which will take place in January, which, of course, to say that this is crucial is an understatement. Because, of course, Georgia will be the deciding votes in regards to the United States Senate. If Georgia can send these two Democrats to the Senate, the Democrats control the Senate because the tie will be left in the hands of the in the left in the hands of the Vice President, which basically, you know, we'll find out by November 27 where she will be officially considered the Vice President elect of the United States, which between you and me, secretly, she is the vice president elect of the United States, but either way. But another thing that people don't understand is how this is affecting the Biden team because there are steps that have to be taken when a person is elected president from the time that they are announced a winner up to the time of their inauguration, which in this case, it'll be January 20th, they have to put together a transition team. It's, it's, it's like somebody saying, you got a new job, you're gonna move, but they're holding up your resources for you to start packing. You can't even start packing. You can't even start looking for people. You don't have no funding. Everything is just sitting still. And you got to realize that the amount of time to put these teams together, even if the next day it was announced that Joe Biden won, you still you are still pushed for time. And just like I said, it's been 11 days. That's just 
nothing officially has not taken place. Now, you know, with Joe Biden, you know, you got to realize he was vice president for eight years. So dude knows what's going on. But the thing is, to officially put people in place, officially have these people, I guess, you know, it's, it's like any other job. You hiring a person, hey, I, hey, John Doe, I want you to be my chief of staff. Hey, so-and-so, hey, Jane Doe, I want you to be my attorney general. But John and Jane Doe have jobs at other places. They have to uproot. That's resources. Right now, it's stagnant because a person refuses to concede. I mean, and then, then let's talk about the national security issues. Everything is at a standstill. Now, I'm sure behind the trenches, Joe Biden is receiving information, but it's kind of like it's under the table. But if he doesn't have the resources to put a full transition team together so that they can have access to classified information at the intelligence agencies like the CIA, how every, it's, it's just stagnant. People don't even understand how vulnerable this country is right now. It sounds simple because people are thinking on their level. See, a person that's working at McDonald's or Red Lobster or just any type of job that's just basically a nine-to-five type job, they really don't get it because this is like, oh, hey, John Doe, we need for you to transfer from Burger King on 1st Street and go to the Burger King on 2nd Street. Okay, no problem. It's not like that. It's far from that. But people, you know, people don't care. You know, one of the things that, you know, Joe Biden has announced, you know, his first focus is going to be, you know, the coronavirus. He's already said, um, Dr. Fauci, he wants him to stay on, which you can, you can look at Dr. Fauci's face and like, yeah, son. Okay. You know, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's trying to smile about it without doing it openly because he still works for you know who. So he's just basically saying, you know, I'm, he's, I'm sure he's slowly rooting for Joe Biden because let's just say, heaven forbid, if Donald Trump was to win, wink, wink, Fauci pretty much would be out of a job. So I'm sure he's probably slowly rooting for Joe Biden. He just, he just can't really say it officially. But, you know, when you think about this shit, this, this some crazy shit. This, this, you know, but... Let's, let's, let's switch gears. One of the things I want to talk about is Stacey Abrams. You know, to say Stacey Abrams played a major part in Georgia galvanizing votes for Joe Biden, that's just, just an understatement. But what 
I really admire about Stacey Abrams is she is the classic example of an individual who was screwed over by a system. Because Stacey Abrams should be governor of the state of Georgia. Because the governor of Georgia at the time was in charge of voting and he purged voting to the point where, or excuse me, suppressed voting to the point where it would, it would benefit him. So basically, you know, put in a, you know, unofficial term, don't want no blowback. He, he cheated. And it cost Stacey Abram the election. But what I admire about her she didn't go away. She didn't just say, you know, hey, I'm not, you know, I didn't win. I'm just going to lay down and just disappear. She didn't do that. What Stacey Abrams did was she created an organization that would counteract what happened to her. Not so, not so much as so she can benefit from it. I mean, to my understanding, I never heard, you know, any word that Stacey Abrams is going to run for the, for the position of governor again. I mean, personally, I think she's going to be in the Joe Biden administration. But the fact that she makes an organization that would prevent this from happening to others in the future not just in the state of Georgia, but throughout the country. This is commendable. To me, this is, this is one of those examples of an organization that something was taken and out of that came a Phoenix-like organization to offset a wrong and put in fight to put in place stipulations so this won't happen to nobody again. I love it. This, this is what, this is what humanity is about. Now, the flip, you know, again, praising Stacey Abrams for what she did, but not to seem ungrateful, I still have an issue over the fact that 75 million people voted for Donald Trump. This, yeah, we could say Joe Biden got more, but it's still something's wrong with that. 75 million people voted for Donald Trump. And this is more than the number of people that voted for him in 2016. So based on everything that he has done in the last four years, there was an increase of more people that said, yeah, I want this guy. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is wrong with these people? How could people vote for a person who is a flat out racist, a race baiter, a misogynist, greedy, a bully, 
a flat out liar. How could people, 75 million people, and it wasn't just white men, it was women. He increased his percentage among black men and black women. Hispanics. What the fuck? How did this happen? Or I should say, how did it happen? Why? Because I would love to know what 75 million people gain for voting for Donald Trump. Every time I ask any of my Trump-supporting friends, why do they support Donald Trump? The first thing come out their, they, excuse me, the first thing come out their mouths is, well, Obama was doing this and Obama, and I'm like, okay, you keep going to that argument. Tell me directly what Donald Trump did that improved your household from 2016 to 2020. And they cannot tell you. The only, only ones that could say I benefited from him are those that made $250,000 a year. And I know these bastards did not make that type of money. Truth be told, I don't know what a, a lot of my friends made, but I can look at them. They don't look like they make $250,000. Now they can be hiding in their mattress. They can put it in the cookie jars and whatnot, but it, I don't see it. If you put a gun to my head and say, do this person make $250,000 a year? I would say, hell no, they don't. So it's basically saying, let's say out of the 75 million people that voted for him, okay, we'll say probably 5% of that group made $250,000 or more. Or another, I would even go for another 5%, maybe have a business or work for a corporation that benefits from Donald Trump. But okay. The other 80, 90%? Really? Really? And you gotta realize, like I said, his numbers increased because there were groups of people that didn't vote in 2016. You think organizations like the Proud Boy and all these other militia groups voted for Donald Trump? No. They went out this time and voted. But without a doubt, they do not benefit from the policies of Donald Trump. So, you know, it just makes me what, you know, what, what's going on? You, you, we gotta, you know, we gotta realize we, we as Democrats, because I'm a Democrat, we may have won this election, however, there's a fight. There's a fight that's ahead. I mean, we, we won the election, but we now got to fight for the soul of this country. Because that's, that's, that's not pretty. 
That is not pretty. In fact, today they was having, I guess, the million, the million mega march. Which, you know, they showed the photos, they were close to a million. But it's like, okay, and it's like, what are you marching for? Of course, they unmask, you know, cram together. The numbers for COVID cases are steady going up. But, you know, they don't, they, they haven't learned. You know, I was just reading today. It was revealed that more than 130 Secret Service officers assigned to protect Donald Trump during the COVID pandemic have, you know, been sidelined by the, the COVID um, virus. You know, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. And then speaking of Trump, speaking of lame duck, you know, this guy still, he's making moves. You know, with about 70 days left or whatnot, he fires his defense secretary because the guy spoke out against Trump for his use of active duty troops to go into cities to come back. Not kidding, use the word combat, you know, to squash civil unrest incidents. I mean, it's just a matter of time. Another, like, you know, a country like Russia, who has not reached out to say congratulations to Joe Biden because they didn't get, they didn't get what they paid for. At least China came around and pretty much said, hey, yeah, you know, I think we can work. We think we can work with them. You know, Joe Biden has already made commitments. You know, we're going to, you know, go to the United Nations and appeal to get, you know, this country back on the Paris Peace Accord. I mean, things, I, I would even go as far as say, not to downplay the office of the president of the United States, but all Joe Biden got to do is just have a kumbaya administration. Just all you got to do is just go and just, just go around apologizing, you know, and just, you know, putting everything back together. You know, you know, even like, you know, things like the COVID. Put things in place, combat it. And I guarantee when you put restrictions, the restrictions that we should have had back in March, when it first was basically, you know, really, it goes back further than March. March is when they were talking about the outbreaks and uh um, quarantine and all this type of stuff. But if they would have just done this and enforced it, we, we'd be out the dark. We would be, I mean, God, I mean, people, do you realize it's, it's almost a year and it's gotten worse? 
in this in this country. How is that possible? Well, I'll tell you possible. We got a dumbass in the White House. I mean, and this individual, you know, like I said in the previous podcast, he's going to start going out, speaking, drumming up his crowd, getting them riled up. And I, I just believe that it's a deterrent. I believe that he's going to try to get everybody to look one way and he's going to slip out the back. I still will stand by my prediction that Donald Trump will not be at the January 20th inauguration. I just, I just believe that. With that being said, if you disagree with me, please I would love to hear your opinion. If you agree with me, I would love to hear your opinion. You got questions, feedback, I would love to hear it all. Until then, this has been another episode of There's a System to This Madness podcast. I am Osaze Shabazz. God bless. Be safe. Take care. And I will talk to you next time.